Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 261 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by one of my best friends in the entire universe. It is, of course, the former heavyweight world title challenger, the man himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, always a pleasure to have you on. How are you, man? I'm good, my man. How are you feeling today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Battling through, still trying to bring the listeners uh, the, the best we have to offer. Obviously, last week, Lehman Brewster, um, a very informative interview, a very a very good heavyweight, and, um, you know, what a wild life he lived. It was so... Uh, just eye-opening. I really had no idea when I first contacted him that he'd be, you know, he'd he'd have lived that wild of a life, and um, that was just brilliant. Uh, this week's going to be a lot more relaxed, though. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do the review part. We're gonna do the preview part. We're gonna do the news. Um, Eddie's gonna gonna return with the big. Klitschko segment, the 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 uh, the lockdown knockdown. I'm gonna also hit you with a quiz question, Eddie, and we're gonna sign out the show in uh, at the very end um, with. Uh, I'm just trying to work out which way to do it. Actually, should have probably planned this before recording, but I think we're gonna go into the review part, do the news, do the quiz question, then do the preview part, then. Um, I'm going to bring in the sole guest on this week's show, another good friend of mine, the uh, the the top heavyweight contender Michael Hunter, and then the uh, the show will be signed out um, with with a lengthy in depth segment. Like I say, the lockdown knockdown Klitschko edition. Definitely, the listeners have been waiting for this. Um, anyway, let's dive into that review part that I spoke of. Um, yeah, we're going to start here in Ukraine at the Eskids um, or the Ekids Club in Lesniki. Um, very hard to pronounce these Ukrainian places, but anyway, Denis Berancic, um, he's now 14 and 0. He made his opponent Viriel Simeon retire on his stool after seven rounds of a scheduled 10. That one was for the WBO International Lightweight title. Quite a good win there on paper, really, because Berancic, um, he's still a little bit unproven as a professional, but it's a good win to stop Simeon. Like I said on last week's show, Simeon had been the distance with Scott Quigg. He'd been the distance with Lee Selby. Um, the only guy to have stopped him was Shakur Stevenson. Well, now Berenchik has joined that, that short list. Him and Stevenson, the only people to have stopped Viriel Simeon. Who's a, who's a tough customer. Anyway, moving out now to the Caesars Palace in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. I didn't watch this fight, but a brilliant, brilliant win for Britain's very own Maxi Hughes. Obviously, during the lockdown, he had a fight with John O'Carroll, former world title challenger, looking to kind of bounce back, really, from his defeat to Tevin Farmer. Um, you know, he gave Tevin Farmer a good fight, John O'Carroll, and we all expected him to beat Maxi Hughes, who is a little bit of a... 
you know, a bit of a danger man, really. Who needs Maxie Hughes in their life? Absolutely no one. And he was coming off that good win. You know, he upset John O'Carroll on a Wednesday night, and he returned to the ring in Dubai against this undefeated, um, this undefeated fighter by the name of Victor Kotochigov. And Victor Kotochigov was 12-0. and It was for the WBC International Lightweight title. Maxie Hughes, once again, the underdog. And he, once again, picks up a win. A unanimous decision win over 10 rounds there in Dubai for Maxie Hughes. So he is absolutely flying. Um, all credit to him, man. Two huge upset wins, um, you know, away from home. So all credit to him. Um, yeah, just maximum respect, uh, Maxi Hughes, maximum respect, that's what comes to mind. Anyway, moving out now to the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Um, I've kind of let boxing fans down a little bit, I guess, because I was watching this card on Fight TV, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm watching the card, and I actually fell asleep, I was so tired, I fell asleep just before the main event, um, and then <laughs> I end up waking up in the uh, in the twelfth and final round, so I didn't actually rewatch it. So my apologies on 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 uh, on that. But anyway, the main event was Emmanuel Navarrete, obviously moving up in weight, fighting for the vacant WBO World Featherweight title. He was the former super bantamweight world champion. He was able to uh, pick up a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Ruben Villa. Ruben Villa was down in the first and the fourth round. Ruben Villa, like I said on last week's show, a phenomenal amateur, beat the likes of Shakur Stevenson and Devin Haney in the amateurs. Undefeated as a pro going in, 18-0, and but he loses. Um, he did kind of, you know, rake some rounds in at the at the back end of the fight, but it wasn't enough. And all three judges gave it to Navarrete. On the undercard, Lorenzo Simpson, a very promising prospect, nine and zero now. A unanimous decision win for him over eight rounds against Sani Duverson. However, Simpson was down himself in round five. Um, haven't seen it, but I'm hearing it was a bit of a dubious knockdown. So couple question marks on the legitimacy of it um let us know what you thought of it on twitter at box hard podcast you should know by now moving out now to quebec canada at the center gervais auto um david lemieux back with a bang he picked up a ko in the fifth round against francian tetu who's now 17 and 4 expected really uh david lemieux 42 and 4 now his record um, I want to see him in another big fight. I think he's still got a couple big fights left in him, even though he's been going for a long time. There's obviously talks of the John Ryder fight. I'd love to see that. Um, you know, that's a tough fight for John Ryder. I'm not sure I would love to see that, actually. That is a tough fight. But, yeah, Lemieux, you know, you can never count him out. He's always in the fight. He's, he's always got a puncher's chance, if nothing else. Moving out now, though, to Germany at the G-Tech Arena in Magdeburg. Um, yeah, it was a good fight really for German fight fans Dominic Bozell 30 and 1 going in against Robin Krasniki who really and truly you know was the underdog if I'm not mistaken he was fighting I believe on the um you know on on Bozell's promoter's card if I'm not mistaken and he's kind of at the back end of his career. So, like I say, he was the underdog. A lot of people were, were picking Bozell to win the fight. But Krasniki pulled off an upset, a KO in three rounds. Robin Krasniki now 51-6. and six. It was for the interim WBA World Light Heavyweight title. 
and the IBO World Light Heavyweight title, so two belts there for Krasniki. Uh, moving out now to the BT Sports studio in Stratford, London, United Kingdom. This one, of course, on BT Sport. I did watch this card. It was a Frank Warren promotion. Um, let's start with the undercard. Um, an undefeated prospect. He was 13-0 with one draw. Mahib Fazeldin. He got in there against Luke Jones, who's not really a journeyman, but you know he's got six wins, three losses, and a draw. But anyway, Luke Jones was able to pull off an upset there. So it, you know it was a weekend of upsets. A TKO in two rounds there for Luke Jones. Uh, Nathan Gorman returned on the card as well. He moved to 17-1. and one. It was to be expected, really. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Ghana's tough man, Richard Larty, the guy who uh, has a completely bald head and a bright kind of blonde-slash-gingery beard. Um, he's listed as 28 years of age. And, I mean, it's... it's <laughs> I just don't even know what to say. There's no way in the world this guy's 28. I mean, he looks older than Luis Ortiz by a, by a long way. And Luis Ortiz <laughs> at least at least claims to be about 38 or 39. This guy's saying he's 28. He's, I'll send you a picture of this guy, Eddie. Um, you won't believe okay. your eyes. In fact, I, I, can I send it to you now while we're doing this? Will that work? That might, that, that might work just fine. Let's try that right now on air. Um, I'm going to try and send you a picture of this guy. Um, <laughs> I hope I can find a recent picture. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to send it to you right now on WhatsApp, if you can check. So this guy, on the right, of course, uh, that's a recent picture there. Supposedly 28. You got it? Yeah. Wait, is that, you talking about Larty? Yeah, yeah, Larty, yeah, Larty. Oh my god. He looks he looks like he's twenty eight years past twenty eight. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably <laughs> right to be honest with you. No, I ain't gonna be that mean on him, no. <laughs> no, but he he definitely doesn't look twenty eight. But I mean look, who knows, man? <laughs> he's a, a <laughs> he's he's I guess the beard with the color is not really doing him any any any, any good, but whatever. But he said he's 28? Yeah, he's 28. Yeah. He's 28, yeah, apparently. Uh, well, so so am I. <laughs> well, you look much yeah. closer to 28 than, than, than uh, he he does. But, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the guy, I mean, Jesus. that That's a good picture I've seen you of him, by the way. If you'd have seen him, you know, in a kind of more high-quality picture, you'd see the guy is it's, it's actually criminal that, that he's claiming to be 28. It's just... Absolutely no way. Anyway, he's a tough guy. Um, he came back against Nathan Gorman, who himself was kind of on the comeback trail since losing to Daniel Dubois um, by KO. Mm-hmm. Both men had lost um, to, to Daniel Dubois by KO. But anyway, a shutout win pretty much for Nathan Gorman in quite an uneventful fight. Larty didn't seem to really come with the... Um, you know the the same motivation as he had when he came over for for Daniel Dubois. Also on the card, Willie Hutchinson, twelve and zero going in now thirteen and zero. He was able to TKO in just one round. Jose Fandino, who um, he had down once prior to the stoppage. Referee Ian, Ian John Lewis, a um, little bit of a premature kind of stoppage, I felt, but 
Um, yeah, it's a good win for Willie Hutchinson. I mean, I want to see him stepped up. He's a friend of the show. He was on a few weeks ago. I got a lot of time for Willie. Great guy. Very interesting that he's a Scottish fighter based in England who is co-promoted by Frank Warren and Richard Schaefer. That just doesn't happen often. So, you know, they've 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 got big plans for this guy. Uh, this this young guy, still very young, Willie Hutchinson. He was a, I believe, he was an amateur world champion as well. So. You know, such a bright future, but he needs a step up desperately. And, you know, the, the the only one thing that you can kind of be impressed with with this win here was that he knocked out Jose Fandino in just one round when Sergio Martinez boxed this guy in his comeback fight and it took Sergio Martinez about seven rounds. But that's that's really it. I mean, that that really is it. Anyway, the main event... I didn't expect it to last too long. I said it on last week's show. Liam Williams, way past British level. He boxed a fighter here who, at best, is pretty much British level. Um, Liam Williams now 23-2 and with a draw. It was a first-round knockout against Andrew Robinson, who's now 25 uh, sorry, 24-5 and five with a draw. It was for Liam Williams' British middleweight title. Both boxers were cut when they clashed heads, um, and it was weird because... Andrew Robinson was cut on his eye, and Liam Williams seemed to be cut on his scalp somewhere. And as soon as he seen the blood trickle down, Liam Williams just literally saw, excuse the pun, he literally saw red and just went headhunting. Like, he just it flicked a switch. He just smashed the hell out of Andrew Robinson. And the referee, um, you know, he put him down. I think it was with a body shot in the end. He just absolutely turned into, a you know, the Incredible Hulk out of nowhere. And, um, you know, he got him out of there when he wanted to, and it was quick. He didn't want the cut to worse, and he is the mandatory challenger for Demetrius Andrade. And um, he didn't want that fight going on much longer for the cut to get worse. So he got him He got him out of there. Andrew Robinson kind of took a knee, and then he got back up at about nine and a half, and he was annoyed when the referee waved it off. I don't think he wanted to continue. Anyway, that's it, though, for the reviewing. I've flown through that as quick as possible. Moving over now to the news, there is a few pieces of news to mention. Um, I'm going to start here with the fact that Matchroom have announced a card to be taking place in in New Zealand, um, in Auckland, at the Spark Arena, between Joseph Parker, former WBO heavyweight world champion, and Junior Farr, who is a guy that, you know, you know of Junior Farr already? Yeah, yeah, I know about him. Yeah, Junior Farr beat um, Joseph Parker in the amateurs, so they've got a bit of history there. Junior Farr, as a professional, is 19-0 and um, with 10 KOs. Hasn't really had the big kind of fights, to be honest with you. Um, his standout name, probably, is um, is Dominic Gwynn. They, they boxed in 2019, and Dominic Gwynn actually had Junior Farr down in the fourth round of that fight. Um, obviously, wow. yeah, we, we mentioned Dominic Gwynn. Obviously, Eddie, you know him very well. Um, the other, pe- uh, sorry, that one's to take place on December 11th. It's going to be on New Zealand time, so I think that's going to be something like really early uh, UK time, something like that. Um, also, Matchroom have announced Friday, November 27th. Um, it's going to be again, obviously, behind closed doors. But the Olympic gold medalist Daniel Yelusinov will be taking on former unified world champion Huli- uh, Julius Julius Indongo. Um, that could be quite interesting, to be honest, because Yelusinov hasn't really looked 
as good as I think he was expected to look since turning pro. And Julius Indongo, you can knock him all you want. You know, he knocked out Edward Trojanovsky in a round. He beat Ricky Burns. Yeah, he, he got dropped about 27 times by Regis Progre in their fight, but... You know, other than that, he's he's a solid fighter. I think he lost the fight to... He lost the fight to... Um, I think he lost to... Did he lose? I'm sure he lost to um, Terence Crawford as well. But other than that, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a decent fighter. He's awkward. He's tall for the weight. That's a real big step up from what Yelusinov has been used to fighting as a pro. So I'm a big fan of that fight, to be completely honest. Um, in other news, I will now discuss um, Dave Allen... I'm sure you've you've seen this one, Eddie. Now, I'm not sure. October here. October thirty first on the Derek Chisora uh, Alexander Usyk undercard on pay per view. Dave Allen steps in in a very hard fight against Christian Hammer, former Tyson Fury opponent. Oh, wow. what do you think about that one, Eddie? That's a big fight there. That's a big fight for him. I mean, you know, you, with a fight like that, you got to take it. You know what I'm saying? I mean. I don't know how, how Dave's been training and stuff like that, but I have seen some things with him recently. I think he's been working out pretty good. So, I mean, as long as he's able to give his best, you know, I mean, you got to take an opportunity like that to heart and, and just, uh, you just got to go do it. You know what I mean? It's it's like right now, if somebody tried to get in touch with me and say, hey, we got to fight for you, and, you know, say, I can't, I can't even think of a name right now, but somebody who, you know, is a heck of an opportunity for me to get back into the, you know, to the to the big time again. I got you. You almost have to take it, even if, and especially if the money's good, you, you almost have to take it. So it's like one of those situations where, you know, you know, he, he's he's in a he's in a good position. I just hope he's been training, and if he has, then you know he's got a shot. Yeah, and all the best to Dave Allen. Obviously, we we're definitely supporting him in that fight, but it is a hard fight. Um, Christian Hammer yeah. isn't a, you know, he isn't a bad fighter. I mean, he's. I don't even. I'm not sure. I'd say he's fringe world level. I think he's probably kind of European levelish. But Dave Allen hasn't yet proven to be past British level. So we shall see. It's a good fight. Um, on November 14th, again, Matchroom have been busy announcing fights. They announce another another one here. It's actually on the undercard of the triple female world title card, uh, where we get to see Katie Taylor, Terry Harper, and. Um, uh, Ebony Bridges against Rachel Ball uh, for the for the vacant world title. That they're all getting it on, and on the undercard, couple of male fights. Uh, we get to see Jamie Cox return to the ring against Jack Cullen. That's a brilliant, brilliant fight there, and um, we get to see John Doherty who is supposed to be a really good prospect, undefeated, of course. He steps up in class against Jack Arnfield. Another cracking fight. That is going to be a good card of boxing. Um, really excited. Again, that's going to be November 14th there, um, live on Sky Sports and The Zone. And the final, I think it's the final piece of news, uh, no, two other pieces. So this, this is number one of two. This is, again, another announcement from Matchroom. Um, it's going to be on the 21st of November 2020. That's going to be the undercard of Dillian White Povetkin 2. We're going to get to see Nigel, God, Nigel Ben, Connor Ben, Connor Ben, Nigel's son. He steps in against um, Sebastian Formella, who 
you know, it might be his name might be in a few boxing fans' recent memory because he actually boxed Sean Porter in August and he lost a unanimous decision. He lost absolutely every round. It was um, a shutout on all three cards. It was for the for the vacant WBC silver title. But anyway, other than that, he's got all wins. He's twenty two and one German fighter, thirty three years of age. He's got a couple of good wins though. To be honest, on his record, he's got better wins, I'd say, than Conor Ben has. So it is a step up. You know, his only loss come to Sean Porter. He went the distance. It's not like he got knocked out in a round and embarrassed. So that's a that's a, that's a quite a big step up. I think it's a calculated step up for Conor Ben, and he might not get the credit for it, unfortunately, because there's a lot of British fighters we'd like to see him in with, like even Ashley Fearfane's been calling for that fight. So um, yeah. He's not going to get the credit he would have got for boxing those guys, but it is still a big fight. And the final piece of news is that the Golden Contract Finals have been set for December. Um, we're going to get to see uh, this this unfold at the Production Park Studios in Wakefield on Wednesday, December 2nd. Um, it's going to be the rescheduled featherweight final between Jazza Dickens and Ryan Walsh, of course, um, Jazza Dickens, I think it was pulled out on the uh, on on the week of the fight with coronavirus, and of course we get to see the light heavyweight um, finals as well between Ricard Bolotniks, who just beat Jose Burton, and um, Serge Michel, who was able to beat um, oh Lord God, what the what's the guy's name? Um, oh. That is terrible on my part. I, I do too much of this, Eddie, without looking at anything. You know, it's all in my brain, and um, quite often I uh, I mess up because I don't I don't practice anything beforehand. But um, oh god, well, I know the guy. Honestly, honestly, though, honestly though, that's that's a good way to be. Honestly, I mean, it's it shows that you're not only you know a student of it. And I mean, it's hard sometimes to remember these all these things, especially all this information that you're getting. I couldn't imagine doing it myself. But um, it also shows that it's it's legit, legitimately not scripted. You know, it's 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 a, it's a legitimate show, and it's 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 it is this is what happens sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I could remember the guy's face. I could remember who he boxed, and you've you've just spoke for the perfect amount of time to get me to uh, quickly cheat. And um, yeah, Liam Conroy. Liam Conroy is the guy that Serge Michel was able to beat. Um, you know, he stopped him in four rounds a few weeks back. So yeah, that's uh, that's all the news. Moving on now to the to the uh, the quiz question. Are you ready for this, Eddie? Yeah, I'm gonna try, man. I, I think I got. I think I've been lucky every single time so far. Let's see how. I'll, I'll, I mean, I wouldn't this. really say you were lucky for the for the heavyweight southpaw thing because I gave you a clue, but yeah, well, kind of. Yeah. No, no, not, not kind of. I'd say even, pretty much. <laughs> when you said I spar with him, yeah, I mean, there's so many guys I sparred with, but, yeah, but you, you did say, yeah, you hadn't, world sparred, yeah, you hadn't sparred with loads of southpaw world world heavyweight champions, but um, well, true. that's true. But anyway, here is the question. It's been sent in by the Mauler who's been listening for 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 a few years uh good guy he's the mauler i don't even know his 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 name i just call him the mauler he he's uh you know he's he's names himself after after jack dempsey on twitter um but anyway he says i've got a sneaky question for eddie so straight away that piqued my interest as soon as i saw a sneaky oh. question straight away i like i like what i'm hearing um he says by my reckoning muhammad ali fought in 12 
countries that weren't mainland USA. There might be a little clue in there. How many can Eddie name? I believe there oh, is 12. Man, how many can I name? Yeah. Not many. That is a rough one. Oh, my He's God. Sneaky. It is very sneaky. I know he fought, obviously, Manila. Yep, so the Philippines. I, I mean, that's not a country, but I mean, that's a, that's, we well, you know what country it is. But, and, and obviously he's fought in uh, Africa. Zaire, yeah. Uh, Zaire, yes. Rumble uh, in the Jungle. Yeah, the Rumble in the Jungle and the Thriller in Manila. We, the two basic, most easy ones. And the funniest thing about this is my manager was a good friend of his. You know, especially toward the end of his career. Well, after his career, to be honest. And you know, there were so many, so many stories I was told about this man. And I just, it's just certain things you listen to, certain things you hear, certain things you just, you don't pay attention to enough. And I guess this is one of those things. But I mean, anybody could remember those two. I'm just trying to remember one that hasn't, <laughs> hasn't been, you know, highly publicized. You know what I mean? Um, oof. Wait, when he fought Henry Cooper, where was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Britain, he, he boxed him in, in, in yes. Wembley. Yes, that's, that's okay. Okay, that's another one. I know when he beat him. Now, don't, I'm trying to think. Now, I'm, now, now, what I'm really trying to do is I'm just trying to think of the guys he fought from. Not from it's not from this country because obviously there would be a clue somewhere in there. Uh, but now that's going to take some work too because now i got to remember all these guys. Oh, my gosh, man. I can't remember, man. I ain't going to lie. I mean, that's, those, are the, those, the, are the, those are the three I this got. This is poor, Eddie. There's 12 different places. You've only given me three. I know. That is poor. Yeah, that, <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, listen. I, I got an F on, on my report card, but at least I'm on the board. You know what I mean? Certain people might not even be on the board. And I'm actually on the actual board and got one that wasn't obvious, like ones that were into rhymes, like the Rumble in the Jungle and the Thrill in the Miller. I did. I did remember the Wembley. Yeah. So, wait, 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 wait. I, I don't I can't, I can't. I'll give you, I'm not sure. About... I'll give you a slight clue. There was another one that rhymed. Uh, Who came up with these names? It must have been Don King, I'm guessing. It was him. No? What? No, the Thriller Manila. Thriller that's all Manila. Um, I almost uh, said the, I almost said the other one. Rumble in the Jungle, and there's another one. Um, and I can't remember. It was towards the end of his career, I'm pretty sure. Oh, right. And I know it was another... Uh... Where did he fight... This is... I'm not checking this, but where did he fight Leon Spinks the first time? Oh, shit. That I don't know. I really don't know. Okay, because I want to say, I think it was the, the place I'm thinking of that rhymes. I want to say it was in the first Leon Spinks fight where he lost. Okay. No, man. Uh, All right, let me give I you don't... a clue. It was called Drama in. And, oh, in Bahamas. Hey, in Bahamas. there we go. Drama in the Bahamas? There we go. I don't even remember that. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, was, I, I, I'm sure that was Leon Spinks for the first fight. Drama in the box. <laughs> oh my god! You gave the answer, so 
Yeah. Uh, but I need to uh, check that, but I'm pretty sure that was. Um... Could have been. What could have been one? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was um, the Leon Spinks first fight, but I need to need to double check that just quickly. I'm really sitting there thinking of all of the guys he fought. And, and, you know, it's like I don't know, man. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, that, that's that's the best I got right there. I know I'm I know I'm failing, but you know they got me this time. And these are things I think obviously I should know, but you know. Okay, you know, I've been fighting all these years. You know, sometimes you know things get punched out of your, yeah, out of your brain. You forget stuff. You know, you gotta give me a break, give me a pass on this. Yeah, I could have. I actually, I think I've actually. I know it was definitely. We we got it in the end. We got it in the end with a bit of help. I know he definitely did have a fight um, in 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 the Bahamas, and it was it was billed as drama in the Bahamas. But I can't seem to find what fight that was. I really thought it was um, Leon Spinks yes. won, but apparently that took place in the Hilton Hotel in Las Vegas. So Leon Spinks oh. 2 was also in the States. Oh, I know what one it was. Yes, yes. It was his final fight. It was against Trevor Burbick. That was Trevor drama in the Bahamas. That's it. That's it. There you go. There we go. Because Trevor Burbick is... Yeah. I knew it was towards the end of his career. But anyway, um, the Mauler has said that apparently... And I'm not double checking this, but I'm, I'm sure he's got it right. He boxed in, um, aside from the US mainland, um, he boxed in Britain, in Switzerland, in Japan, in Ireland, in Canada, in Indonesia, in Zaire, in Malaysia, in Philippines, in Puerto Malaysia. Rico, in Germany, and in the Bahamas. So um, he yeah, said it. You know, be... I was going Malaysia. I remember hearing something about that. Yeah, I remember when he was saying, I can't remember who's. I think he was talking about uh, Joe Frazier at the time, and he was saying he didn't go to uh, he didn't go to Malaysia, he didn't go to Indonesia. He was naming all these places yeah. where he he didn't go there, you know. And, and I did, and he's not a champ and all that kind of stuff. But he's not champion of the world. Yeah, he can't be champion of the world. You don't, you don't travel the world and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something along those yeah. lines. <laughs> But um, Something like that, but yeah, he says it'll be interesting to see how many he gets, and the answer was yeah. you got three, which was which was three three without help and one with help. But that don't try and claim four said. already. Don't claim four. No, no, no. I said three without help and one with basically giving me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's all. I, that's all I have. Anyways, moving on. No, go on, go on. No, what I was gonna say was just like a lot of these things that happen current current fighters like. To be honest, I wasn't really old enough to know about him, you know what I mean, watching him as I grew up. So I couldn't really say. Like his last fight was, I, I think, maybe even before I was before I was born, it was after. I know he fought Trevor Bur- Burbick in the 80s. Was it 81? 81 or, I can't remember yeah. the exact date. He's 81. So that was a year before I was born. So, like, my boxing career has been, you know, like I, I really started to really focus on the box. I always watched it because my dad was so big into it, but I really started focusing so much into it, you know, as a as a as a early teen. Eddie, and then I really start. Huh? Just take the L, baby. Oh, I'm taking the L. Oh, the L. Hey, look. <laughs> Listen, L, don't I'm try and talk I'm about the L. year you were born. I wasn't born till over a decade <laughs> after this happened. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But fighters are thinking about their careers, not others. Oh, so I don't even. So give me a, so give me a pass, all right? Oh, nah, but no, nah, the truth is, I should have. I should have known it, but that's okay. 
next time. You got me this time. Okay. I'll get well, I'll, I'll get back on the board next time. We we need to start doing a scoreboard like one nil to the listeners or you know something like that. We should do anyway. Yeah, we could do that. We should right now. It's three. I'm three. You know, I'm three and one right now. So. Three and one. Well, this is the third question you've had. You're you're sorry. Two and one. You're you're two one and, and I was inflated. you're one and two with no clues. You're one and two. No, I'm two and one. Remember, I got the last one. Yeah, you got the last one, but the first one I had to help you with the with the heavyweight thing. You're t- you're you you lost the first oh, one, you, you won the second one, and you lost the the third one. You're one and two. Yeah, two. You mean well, two, one loss, two wins. So no, it's, and, t- and, that well, did, we, I gave you a clue that didn't count. What a one? And, you said uh, you said I won two. No, I said you're Wait, one and two. I mean that's your record: one win, two losses. I got two losses, man. Because you need help the with the first ever question. You spot the guy. Hey, man. When you got when you when you fight, you got a trainer. Oh, Your trainer God. helps. So sometimes you get lucky. You know, I mean, not lucky. You, sometimes the, the advice of the trainer, you know, you get wins like that. So come on, man. Come help me out. Give me at least a hey, half point or something. Hey, listen. <laughs> if I'm if I'm a trainer, I'm getting a percentage, and you're not you're not giving me a percentage. I don't want any percentage of the oh, L's you've been no. taking. Oh. <laughs> oh my god said, well, I guess 10% of nothing is nothing huh? alright alright I guess anyway moving on moving on because uh, I hope we didn't bore anyone to, to death there but um, moving on to the preview part of the show we're going to start here in a very odd location we're going to start here in Tanzania at the Kiko Mabembini ground um we get to see Britain's very own controversial um, controversial flyweight, I think he is. I'm not quite sure where he's fighting at in terms of weight these days. But Prince Patel, very controversial. 23-1 and one with a draw. This one is for the vacant WBO Africa super flyweight title and the vacant WBO Global super flyweight title. He takes on Innocent Everest, who's 10-1 and one with two draws. That's over 12 rounds. Um, he actually, um, his, his sole defeat, Innocent Everest, came to Prince Patel um, just over a year ago, in May of 2019, so they're getting on a pointless rematch. Prince Patel stopped him in um, in the second round back then, so not sure why we're getting a rematch, but it is what it is. Moving out now, this one takes place um, tomorrow also. It's at the White Sands Treatment Center in Plant City, Florida, USA. Um, just one fight really to mention. It's kind of gone under the radar. Um, Ryan Martin... It's another kind of fight on his comeback trail, if you like. I think he's had one fight since his loss to Josh Taylor um, about two years ago now. Um, he's been quite inactive since then. But anyway, his record is 23-1. and one. It's a 10-rounder against Hevinson Herrera, who is 25-18 and 18 with a draw. Moving out now to the East of England Arena in Peterborough, Cambridgeshire, United Kingdom. Um, it's a good... It's a good card, really. Uh, we get to see Joe Laws, who's 9-0, and obviously um, very well-liked in the Newcastle area. Um, he's in a six-rounder against Rylan Charlton, who's 5-0 and with a draw. Um, I wouldn't have minded if it was um, Rylan... I forgot the guy's name. I'd like to see him in there with someone like Joe Laws. Uh, Is his name Rylan Clark? I don't know. Anyways, um, Thomas Patrick Ward. Honestly... A brilliantly talented fighter, 29-0, and 
absolutely no idea why his record's being further padded every single fight. He is ready for a big fight. I'm not sure what's going on. He's in against a decently tough guy, Thomas Asomba, who was in the ring with Sonny Edwards a few weeks ago. Um, You know, Thomas Patrick Ward should probably win. He's not a big puncher. He should win on points. But Thomas Asomba's a tough guy. But, you know, this this is going to be Ward's 30th pro fight. He shouldn't be boxing guys that have a record of 10 and 6, even if a somber is better than his record suggests. What is he doing still having these fights? I don't understand what they're doing with this guy. Um, Kez Ashfak, 8-0. He's in a 10-rounder against Mark Leach, who's 14-1 and with a draw. Then moving up the card, um, Peter Fury trains uh, trains Obviously, this this lady here, Savannah Marshall, eight and O as a professional. This one is for the vacant WBO World Female Middleweight Title. She takes on former world champion Hannah Rankin, who's nine and four. It's over ten two minute rounds. Obviously, Hannah Rankin, former opponent of Clarissa Shields, Marshall and Clarissa Shields have got tons and tons of history in the amateurs. Um, Savannah Marshall, like I said before, the only girl ever to have beaten Clarissa Shields in a in a ring, amateur or pro. Um, so all the best to Savannah Marshall and Peter Fury. Um, I, I hope that Peter Fury can can lead one of his boxers to another world title. He is, um, you know, he's he's kind of you know since parting ways with Tyson, I don't think his luck has been too great. So I'd like to see things improve for him and top in the bill. Ooh, I smell possibly a bit of an upset, to be honest here. Lewis Ritson, the home fighter, 20-1. and um, Obviously, his one loss came to um, uh, um, Francisco Patera, um, you know, who is kind of like European level at best. Um, he gets in with former world champion Miguel Vasquez, who's 42-9. and That one is for the vacant WBA intercontinental super lightweight title. 110% is going to be Lewis Ritson's toughest fight, you'd have to say. Um, and yeah, you know, if he shows up like he did against Patera, then he will lose and probably lose quite badly. Um, you know, we have to say that Lewis Ritson has never boxed, as a pro anyway, without the hugely impressive backing of the Newcastle fans. He fills up arenas, there's going to be no crowd, there's going to be no atmosphere for the first time in one of his fights for a long, long time. Will that play a factor? I think it could do. He's coming off a brilliant win, probably his career best win against Robbie Davies Jr. in a great fight that um, almost to the day would be a whole year out the ring. Miguel Vasquez, obviously, he's at the back end of his career as well uh he's at the back end of his career as well and um you know obviously quite older six years older and he hasn't had the best run of recent times he's got a loss to o'hara davies but everyone knows including o'hara davies that he shouldn't have lost that night um and since then he's lost one fight to a to an undefeated um undefeated kazakh fighter who i think was quite a decent amateur but other than that you know he's He's a tough, tough guy. He's only been stopped twice in his career. That was to Josh Taylor in nine rounds and to the um, to the South African fighter, Talani Mbenge, who we still don't know too much about because Mbenge's one loss came to Formella, who we mentioned earlier is going to be fighting Conor Ben. So it's, it's a nice few names in the mix there. But yeah, anyway, Miguel Vasquez, I'm not sure what the odds are, but it's worth a punt on him. I hate to say it, I really like Lewis Ritson. 
turned his life around uh you know before he got into boxing he was working in a in a bleach factory i think it was he had a baby on the way if i'm not mistaken and you know things weren't weren't working out for him financially he turned to boxing and he hasn't looked back and he's been you know he's been brilliant and um Moving out to a card that takes place on Sunday, I'm going to move back to Saturday, of course, but I'm going to just fly through this one, and then we're going to go to the big one in the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas. But firstly, let's go here to Sunday evening at the Production Park Studios in South Kirkby, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. We get to see friend of the show, former IBF bantamweight world champion, um, was he bantamweight or was he super bantamweight? can't remember off the top of my head. I think he was bantam, wasn't he, I think? Um, or was he super flat? I can't even remember. Paul Butler, thirty-one and two. He's in an eight-rounder against Ryan Walker, eleven and two. Again, when I had Paul Butler on, he couldn't understand why he was still having these fights against guys way below his level. Um, and unfortunately, it's another one of them over eight rounds. Michael McKinson, the undefeated prospect, eighteen and zero, very good fighter. He's on the bill against an undefeated guy by the name of Martin Harkin, who's thirteen and zero. And topping the bill, Jay Harris, 17-1. and one. Um, I don't think he's boxed since his loss for the WBC flyweight world title against Julio Cesar Martinez of Mexico. This one's for the Commonwealth flyweight title against Marcel Braithwaite, who's 9-2. and two. Um, One of those losses could have been his last fight, actually. Um, it was back in December of last year against Sonny Edwards in a good fight at the Copper Box. I was there for that. Um, Jay Harris, you know, I want to see him hopefully win that fight and push on. He he really is um, quite a good fighter, Jay Harris. I think he could potentially be um, the next Welsh world champion. But anyway, getting on to the big one. It's for the WBA, IBF and WBO world lightweight titles. It is a unification. Vassal Lomachenko, 14-1. and one. In a 12-round contest against Tiafimo Lopez, 15-0. and 0. An absolute... <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. An absolute uh, monster fight in boxing, especially for the hardcore fans. We don't always get to see fights that please the hardcore fans more than the casual fans. Usually it's all about... You know, it's all about the money, it's all about the commercial value of each fighter. You know that yourself, Eddie. And we don't always get to see the best against the best because of this because of these factors. There's gonna be no live gate and it's even more impressive because of that factor there. So this is a true hardcore boxing's dream. Um it's it's amazing. Both men have decided to take a pay cut, if I'm not mistaken, to make this fight happen. And it's come around fast, it's here. Um you can watch it, of course, on Fight TV if you're if you're based in the UK or in parts of Europe, maybe even America. I'm not quite sure how it works over there. But anyway, Fight TV is an app that you can download on your smartphone, on your tablet, on your iPad, on your on your laptop, I believe, as well. Um, anything like that with with an app store, you can download it. And if you use my code, you will get. You'll get some money off of the pay-per-view purchase, I believe, and I'll also get something for referring to, uh, referring you to them. So Fight TV is F-I-T-E-T-V. And if you use my code, which you can get on my Twitter if you hit me with a direct message, something like that. Some people tried to use my code before it didn't work for some reason. Then some people have done it and it did work. So just hit me up. I'm obviously happy to try and help you through it or talk you through it or anything like that. And um, yeah... 
hopefully a couple of you use the code and we can um, all get it a little bit cheaper but we we as boxing fans have got a duty to almost pay for this fight it's worth every penny um, i'm going to come to you straight away eddie monster fight lomachenko a scientist in boxing an absolute pugilist scientist tiafimo lopez superstar written all over him and i seen someone tweet something a few months ago when the first stages of uh, negotiations i guess were being publicized and someone said you know lomachenko is so good he's almost unbeatable but if anyone were to be able to cause the upset it would be tiafimo lopez you can just imagine this guy pulling off the upset he's got all the ability himself to do it and i can't really disagree with that tweet this is just a brilliant fight talk to me eddie i'll go on all night you and me both. And what the guy said it said it all in that statement was, if there is somebody to beat a Lomachenko, it would be somebody like this guy. You know what I mean? It would be it would be Lopez. Lopez has almost anything you would want to see as a fan and a fighter, even a lay fan. You know, anyone who's not hardcore can really appreciate what he can do. You know what I mean? He's explosively fast and powerful. He's strong. He's intelligent in, in, in the ring. He knows how to use angles and 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 and, and, th- and all kind and all sorts of things that uh, you know maybe the naked eye of a person who's not used to watching boxing won't they won't be able to see it. But guys like myself will be able to appreciate that part. Those people will just be able to appreciate the raw power and, and speed and and athleticism this kid has. You know, obviously you see him out there after he wins fights doing that uh that running backflip. So. That lets you know he's pretty athletic. But, um, man, it's just you can go on all day about the things that this guy can do in the ring. But then you got a surefire Hall of Famer on the other side because he has that kind of ability. And I just don't really see anybody outside of this kid, and that includes even Tank. And a lot of people, you know, don't, they don't even think about But Tank Davis is another one who, who's uh, who, who's great, who can who's explosive and, and strong. But I just don't. It's just really hard for me to see these guys beating them. As good as Lopez is and as much ability and as much power and, and all that good stuff that he has, it's just Lomachenko just – it's like he, he sees things happen before they actually happen legitimately and, and literally can move at the right time almost all the time. You know what I mean? He's almost sometimes just invisible in the ring. Like as you're throwing shots at him and they're just, they're just not landing. And he's, once again, keeping his hands on you. He's just super – super he's unbelievable with the footwork there's not many people in history that have footwork like that where you can stand directly in front of the guy i mean inches from him and make a miss and end up on the side of him behind them pause and and just in all different places and it's just like and, and not only get in those positions and be on good angles but to be able to punch from those angles it's just it, there's so many times i've seen him throw shots that you practice on the bag and landed on these guys just like they're a heavy bag. It just looks it, – it's, it's unreal sometimes to see them. And, um, I mean, you look at Floyd Mayweather and guys like that who are, you know, some of the best guys ever, uh, Ray Leonard and, uh, and, and you know, of course, the great Muhammad Ali and Ray Robinson, all these guys, and you just see that he's right there in the conversation with them ability-wise. I'm not saying necessarily accomplishments, but ability-wise. And he just he's, – he's, he seems like he never stops wanting – he never stops wanting to learn. He's always training. He's always working on his craft. He's a special guy. He's a special athlete. I just don't know if 
Lopez can overcome all of that. You know what I mean? He has what it takes. And listen, he at the end of the day, he has a puncher's chance because he damn sure can do that. Um, but it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, it's gonna take a real effort for this guy to to do um, the unthinkable in a sense. And that's uh get uh, Lomachenko out of there because I just really don't think that even with his raw ability that he'll be able to outpoint him. Yeah, and I, I pretty much agree with your take, Eddie. I mean, the one thing is that, you know, Lomachenko, I feel, at lightweight, isn't the same... I don't want to say the same fighter, because sometimes people can view that as, you know, he's he's somewhat depleted or on the decline or anything like that. I'm not saying he is, but he hasn't been that same fighter, I don't think, at lightweight as he was um, at Super Feather. Um, you know, well, that, that's just gone. No, I believe what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but there's also some of that's attributed to the shoulder surgery too. Yeah, you know that he had, possibly, which, yeah. which, and that can that can also set a guy back. And when you, and this is the Andre Ward confirmed it himself too, because he had shoulder surgery and had a fight after, and it was kind of like a, you know, half-hearted. I don't say half-hearted. I mean, he definitely gave everything he had, but. What I'm saying is his 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 um the performance wasn't where he wanted it to be. I'm not just accrediting all of that to the surgery itself, but that uh, you know attributed to it a lot. Also, when going through surgery, you know, there's the rehab process. You're out of the gym for a certain amount of time. Even if you're thinking about it and you're watching it, it's nothing like being in the gym and working on your craft and being able to work on your craft. And people overlook the importance of being hot. What I mean by hot is in the gym constantly, all the time. Training, 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 preparing, in-camp mode, sparring, even when it's not time to fight. Those types of things are what fighters who are at that level do. I've done it, and, and I'm sure other fighters, most most guys who, like I say, are at that elite level do that. And when you're out and you're not sure, it's an indefinite thing, and you're not sure how long you're going to be out or you know, there's, a, there's an approximate thing where they don't want you to start too fast because look at how, I mean, you know, get back in too fast because look at how good of a fighter he is. Look at all the great things he does. They don't want him to go back too soon and obviously not be able to limit himself to, to do something, you know, less than what he normally does. And then he gets out there and he gets re-injured. You know what I'm saying? So everybody hears on the side of caution when it comes to, oh, let's get back into the gym and train. And they say, well, how about this? Let's wait until we can honestly say that you're ready to go. And if that happens, you lost a lot of time. You understand what I'm saying? You lose a lot of time. And it makes it a little difficult to come back. And then once you start to hit your groove, and then, like you said, he is at another weight class too. So there's other things that he has to, that he has to do to kind of get acclimated to maybe not having as much of an effect power-wise on these guys being a little bit bigger, you know? So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think a little bit of that attributes to it. We'll see, we'll see uh, what happens when he gets in there on Saturday. I mean, I can't remember when he had this, the the shoulder surgery, but he's been a lightweight for two and a half years. He's boxed in that time. Jorge Linares, obviously, in that fight, that was his first. I think that was, yeah, I think that might have been. I'm gonna think that. I don't know if it was that one or or after that. We had. I can't remember. All right. Well, anyway, when he was, um, you know, when when he when he moved up to to lightweight, his first fight was against Linares for the WBA world title and Linares was able to put him down it was a really really good fight obviously he managed to get Linares out of there after that but um you know he 
he he showed some vulnerabilities in that fight there. Obviously, after that fight, he took on Pedraza. He was able to to beat him unanimously, but it was way closer than it should have been in the end, in my opinion. Then he took on Anthony Crawler, obviously a UK fighter from Manchester. Crawler never had any chance in hell. No one ever expected Crawler to 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 you know to even you know, even make going to the twelfth round. And he didn't. He got KO'd in four. Then he had a really good fight, Lomachenko, with Luke Campbell, who you know, mm-hmm. Luke Campbell is a very well schooled fighter from from here again. Olympic gold medalist, Southpaw, absolutely huge for the weight. Um, you know. So I don't know. He he just for me hasn't been that same fighter. Whether it's weight, whether it's the shoulder, it doesn't even matter. But for me, he hasn't been the same fighter since moving up. It's not since the shoulder shoulder surgery, unless it was just before he moved up in weight. I don't know. I can't remember when that was. But for me, he hasn't been the same fighter for some reason since moving up in weight. That's what I think it is. I actually think it is because he's given away height and reach to these guys um, who, mm-hmm. who are he's fighting the best guys at, at this weight as well. He's not fighting. He's not ducking. That's why when he boxed Crawler, no one gave Crawler a chance in hell and he, he did what he did. But, you know, um, yeah. Pedraza, right. Linares, uh, Luke Campbell, these are some of the best fighters in that weight. And he has had minor issues in all of those fights, I'd say. Tiafimo Lopez, you know, big for the weight. He can punch. Lomachenko, again, at this weight has shown that he can be hit, and I think that is down to reach reasons and whatever. And you know, Tiafimo Lopez, if he hits Lomachenko, there's every chance he goes down and stays oh, yeah. down. Um, but you know, I'm not. I, I don't know. I don't want to nullify Lo- Lopez completely because Lopez no, is no, no, a brilliant no, no, fighter, and he he's he's right. a star in the making for sure. It's, it's early for him, you know. He's still a young guy. I remember having him on the show. Um, you know, the first time I spoke to him, and at that point he was talking about Lomachenko, and I said to him, this is too soon, you don't need this right now, and he basically said, you know, I don't care, I'm here to fight the best, you know, so I respect him for that, but he could pull it off, man, I I don't think he outboxes Lomachenko, though, I think it's, I think it's, it is a case of Lomachenko points, or, or um, Tiafimo KO, that's the only way I see it, it's hard to see Lomachenko get knocked out, it hasn't happened before, and, um, yeah, aside from that fight that um, Lomachenko had against Salida, where it was like, welcome to the pros, son, and he kind of got rough, roughed up. And, you know, other than that, you know, he's been in total control for every fight apart from when he moved up to this weight. So that's just what I say. But, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great fight, man. It could, yeah, it's going to be a great fight. It's one of those fights, I think... Your eye, your eyes have to be peeled for every single second of every round. It's going to be highly technical, and you know from the footwork to the punches thrown to the angles created, everything is going to be a class level boxing. Top, and on top of on top of all those things, doing you still can't go to the refrigerator for five seconds because you never know at any point if you do and it's not in between rounds, that fight could be over just like that. Yeah. And that's where, obviously, uh, uh, Lopez has his opportunity. I agree with everything you said, with the exception of saying, you know, like you said, when you moved up in weight to, to there, whether it's the shoulder or surgery or not, there's different challenges. So him not being the same as he was at the other weight, like you said, is based on those different challenges. He's still been dominant. He's still been himself somewhat. 
but he had he has to kind of re-identify himself i guess as 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 a as a as a fighter in a sense when you're now fighting guys who are slightly taller or or, or slightly heavier or you know what i mean who fight slightly different maybe a little slower but more dangerous as you can see with when the when he had the where he got dropped the one time so yeah it does present a different uh, different some you know some, some more some different issues but all things that if he's great which he is he'll be able to handle not saying that lopez is impossible for lopez to get him out of there because that's definitely not the case he can get anybody at that weight and even above that out of there with a shot so he definitely has to be vintage like vintage like super super lomachenko like he's been in the past in order to win this fight comfortably so it's a dangerous fight it's a good fight i'm looking forward to it i can't wait yeah me neither and i think we spoke we we speak for every fan of boxing um yeah he has to be on his a game and um you know tia fimo has been talking about moving up in weight for quite a long time he's had his eye on moving up in weight he even said it to me that first conversation we had it was i'm sure he said something along along the lines of if i don't get to fight uh, lomachenko next then i'm moving up in weight and i want to say that that was over a year ago so he's been hanging on for this fight even though he kind of said i'm not going to hang on he kind of has i wonder if that could pose any issues hopefully not but um on the undercard we also get to see former world title challenger Alex Salcedo take on the undefeated Arnold Barboza Jr. And um, this one's over eight rounds. It's a super middleweight uh, fight here between Edgar Belanga, who is 14-0 with 14 first-round knockouts. Um, he takes on Lanel Bellows. And the reason why I really like that fight is because Lanel Bellows has never been stopped. So... Um, We've got a guy here that's never been stopped boxing, a guy who's stopped every single person he's boxed in the very first round. So that means something there is going to happen for the first time um, in both guys' careers. Is he going to get knocked out? Is he going to go to distance? We shall see. But that's going to be interesting as well. But um, yeah, that brings the preview part to a close. Uh, to a close. So I've done the reviewing. We did the news. Eddie had his tough quiz question, which he took L's on baby <laughs> and then we did the preview we did the preview in just before we uh we 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 wrap this up i'm gonna bring in our sole guest on this week's podcast and then like i say after that eddie will will finish the show with the cherry on top of the icing with the klitschko lockdown knockdown segment it's back it's been a few weeks uh absent and it's back and it's back big but anyway like i say just before we we do that it's now time to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the top heavyweight contender, the people's champ himself. It is, of course, Mr. Michael Hunter. Mike, welcome back on the show, my main man. <laughs> What's going on? Glad to be back. Always a pleasure having you on. So, Mike, we, we last caught up um, interview-wise back in January, obviously, at that time. It was all still very fresh after getting that controversial draw against Povetkin in Saudi. Since then, news broke that your contract with Matchroom had expired. Um, Eddie Hearn had said that without crowds for boxing, it would have been very difficult to pay you the money you demand. Um, do you feel that's that's an accurate description of how things fizzled out, Mike? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the COVID and everything happening. Um, you know, they they them spending a lot of money and in the last few uh, year you know um i think that everybody you know kind of got kind of 
caught off guard and they just had to reconstruct and kind of do some things uh, that they weren't expecting. And I was, you know, one of those, you know, I don't think they were totally planning to let me go. Um, but, you know, uh, with all the situations that happened, uh, you know, I was, you know, uh, one on the, on the bottom of the pond. So, And since then, you kind of disappeared into the wilderness a little bit, obviously went back to the States. You were off Sky Sports and the zone. Povetkin, who everyone knows shouldn't have even been blessed with a draw against you. He should have, he should have been served up a big juicy L. Um, he goes on to box in a big event, headline in a pay-per-view against Dillian White back in August. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, were you one of the few people favoring Povetkin to win before the fight? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, you know, I kind of predicted a knockout, not that I was wishing it upon him, but, um, you know, I was just calling it how I see it. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, you know, I think uh, it, it might, uh, history might repeat itself. Yeah, because I was going to ask you what you actually made of the fight itself. Obviously, Povetkin was down twice. Um, a lot of people have a lot of mixed opinions on the the, the rounds prior some people thought uh that that white was in full control i didn't see that if i'm being honest um and then yeah pavetkin goes right. down twice and then of course he he picks out one of the surely one of the contenders for knockout of the year against um against dillian white right um yeah so that's a decade that's that's a decade knockout like that's that's one of those knockouts you you, you want every time you uh you know knock somebody out you want it to be just as sweet as that so uh, yeah, yeah, that's gonna go down for a long time. <laughs> and I, but uh, go on, go on. No, I was just gonna say I know that you're you're you know you're you're in pursuit of that rematch still against Povetkin, and as you said, it seems like he's kind of tied up for the time being. He's got the rematch with Dillian White set for November twenty first. I was gonna ask your, your your thoughts on that rematch. You said history might repeat itself. It's not a long time after that first fight. It's only. Just just under three months to the day. Do you think it's too soon? Um, or do you think it doesn't really matter yes, when I the think, rematch happens anyway? I, no, I think it is. Uh, I think it is too soon. But see, it's kind of it's, it's a little twist here because I think it's it's too soon when um, for Dillian White. Uh, but I also understand where Dillian White is coming from, where you want to get that back right away because um, you know there is no so. On his on, on a fighter's aspect, I do see uh, you know where he's coming from, and I don't I don't fault him. I actually like it. I, I you know I, I honor him uh, for wanting to take that fight right right away. You know, um, I think that's you know that that shows that he has that fighting fighting nature. You know, um, but on the other hand, that this is a very dangerous situation um, for him and his career. Um, you know, but. You know, he's made uh, some decent money, and he'll still have some decent uh, fights out there, even if he goes out again in the same fashion. Um, but uh, you know, he can—I think he can right his wrongs as well. You know, he—I he, uh, gave—I gave Povetkin gave the first two uh, rounds, but I, Dillian White obviously won the last two rounds bigger than he lost the first two. So I think he was obviously he was ahead ahead in the fight, maybe uh, yeah, ahead in the fight. Um, but, you know, it, it's still a fight. You know, De- uh, Povetkin is very crafty, and he's gonna, always going to have be able to get his shots off at some point. So uh, that's what he's good at. He's, he's known to do that, you know, to get his shots off. Um, so, uh, and we were just hoping that Dillian White was going to be able to take that. We know that, you know, he's been, uh, he's always the tick too. That's another thing is he always 
usually get stunned in one of their fights, either win, lose, or draw. He's always getting stunned. So I think it was just a, a matter of will he be able to take it? And will he be able to dish it out more than he, he's going to be able to take it? And I think that's the same nature we have in this situation. That if we're going to see the similar, the same uh, similar fight. Uh, you know, it's just that you know, it, it's just like almost a, a roll of the dice. Anything can happen. And obviously, it's being reported that Fury Wilder three isn't going to be happening. Bob Arum has now said Tyson would like to to box here in Britain um, in in the early part of December. Bob Arum named a short list of five potential opponents. You were one of those five. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing you were surprised that they named you, Mike, because not a lot of heavyweights want to. They they wouldn't they they wouldn't dare say your name. <laughs> Who named you? Didn't Bob Arum name you? No. Uh, actually, somebody else told me that. I didn't hear it. Do you know it. what? I've got to be honest. It's, it's lazy on my part. I didn't listen to it, but I've I've heard that, that he listed five names and you were one of the five. I'm sure of it. And, and I, I actually, uh, somebody did tell me that as well. So that's actually very exciting too, though. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, like you said, I wasn't really expecting uh, it to even get that far. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's all good. Yeah. And I like and and how bad do you want that fight, Mike? I know we've spoke about it in the past, obviously, um, but at that point it wasn't a realistic possibility. Obviously, if if his promoter is naming your name, that's a big thing. Um, and it's it's a, it's a bit of a stupid question, really, because I already know the answer to this. But would you travel back to the UK for that fight in December? Is that enough time? Man, I'll be over there before him. <laughs> I just I just fly over there right now and just enjoy my little vacation and. And again, of this, the best time of my life. <laughs> of this short kind of list that Bob Arams put out, I know that you were on it. Ajit Kabiel was on it. Oscar Rivas was on it. A guy you know really well. Charles Martin was on it, and I believe the other name was Effie Jagba. Who, in your opinion, if you're removed from that picture for perhaps being the riskiest uh, fight of the five, who out of the remaining four do you feel gives Tyson the toughest fight, Mike? Charles Martin and Oscar Rivas. Charles Martin. I think maybe Oscar Rivas. I think Oscar Rivas. Yeah, I think Oscar Rivas okay. should get the fight. Okay. He's probably the most. Uh, I feel like he, he has the most uh, pedigree. You know, he's done the most. Uh, you know, he has the most respect. When it comes to the rest of those guys right there, Scott okay. Dillian White, you know, he's knocking down. Yeah, okay. All right, well, there we go. So, um, yeah, hopefully we do get to see you uh, in, in the ring with Tyson Fury. Mike, it's not just myself saying that. A lot of the kind of top, uh, you know, journalists, boxing journalists over here have been saying that you should get this fight. You deserve this fight. You'd bring, you know, bring the action in this fight. And guys like, you're not going to probably know these guys by name, but, you know, big big boxing reporter guys like Gareth A. Davies, you know, probably one of our most famous right. uh, journalists over here when it comes to boxing. He's he says you should get the right. fight in an interview I saw yesterday. Uh, you know, we've got Steve Lillis saying the same thing, I believe. Lots and lots of guys. So hopefully right. we get to see that fight. And uh, I've seen various polls out there, and people are saying who do you want to get the fight, and you're winning all these polls. So hopefully we get that. Um, yeah, 
obviously nothing is really happening. Yeah. Nothing's really set in stone just yet, Mike. So it's a bit of a strange time for me to interview you. Um, you know, usually we do something if, if something's locked in and it's not right now. But just before I let you go, Mike, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. If you've got any closing words just to your supporters over here that love you to death, what is the message? It's been two <laughs> years this week since you came over here and invaded York Hall, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, you know, um, one thing is, uh, you know, stay, stay a lookout for me. I know I haven't fought in a year. You know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's, that's been happening. But uh, when I come back, uh, I'm going to come back very strong and very consistent. Um, you know, my plan right now is to uh, find a, a way where I will become consistent and uh, the fans uh, can, and, you know, and I'll be able to also travel. It won't just be, you know, I'm, I'm stuck back over here. Uh, you know, I'll be able to travel and fight wherever and let the fans, you know, come see me and uh, entertain, you know what I'm saying? So keep a lookout for me. That's all. Okay, Mike. Excellent stuff, my man. Listen, it's always great speaking with you. Um, I, I hope that we can catch up again when something is locked in at some point, whether it's Tyson Fury, whether it's another option. Um, let me know, and we'll definitely have you back on um, when, when that happens. God bless you, and we'll speak again soon. All right. Yep. Likewise. Thank you. Okay, and now it is time for the return of the Lockdown Knockdown segment, which has been... Uh, has been, you know, really good for our listeners. A lot of good feedback about it over the weeks. We've we've done many, many episodes, obviously, of it. And it's been, I want to say, probably about a month without it. So it's good to it's good to have it back here, Eddie. And it is the big one. It is um, March 20th, 2010, for the IBF, WBO, and IBO World Heavyweight titles. Vladimir Klitschko, the champion, you were in the away corner in Germany, mm-hmm. in Dusseldorf. Um, yeah, where where are we going to begin here, Eddie? Where are we going to begin? Well, let's take it right after the uh, the uh, Alexander Dimitrenko fight, leaving um, you know leaving Germany victorious, super happy, top of the world. Feel like I can beat anyone. You know, what I mean, in, in in most instances, is you would think that. Well, no, you would think, and I, I thought, and I felt that um, it was a foregone conclusion that, regardless of how great that this guy Klitschko was, I'm better. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how we're supposed to think, you know. And 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 don't get me wrong, the person that I am never lets me get too high and mighty in my own thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, oh, I'm gonna just do this or I'm gonna do that. There's always a bit of nervousness. There's always a bit of respect, a great bit of respect for who I'm facing. And that's what always keeps me, you know, makes me, I don't want to say great, but makes me good. It always keeps me, you know, keeps me focused and makes me train on it. And obviously this was no different. But, you know, I had uh, had a good time in Germany, you know, with the with the win with Dimitrenko. And it was just, like I said, when I got back home, you know, I, I was so excited about not just you know, the idea of, of, of being in a, in a title fighter being, you know, the, it, cause at that point I was like, Oh, the best fighter, the best heavyweight in America, you know what I mean? And it's like a hell of a thing to walk around with that kind of, it's not even, don't even think about it as pressure. It just, it just feels good to be the best. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm in the conversation with the top four, the top, I was in the top five, top three, heavyweight top three or top four heavyweight in the entire world behind two of them were two hall of famers which was vladimir and vitaly and vitaly klitschko and then there's povekin and then me and 
in box and box rec had us kind of flip flopping because I had been more active and I've been fighting other, you know, higher level, I guess, competition at that time uh, with me beating Dimitrenko. So it kind of like gave me a little edge up at time, a leg up. And then sometimes he would be up and, you know, just how the point system works or whatever. But it was just an exciting time for me. So everything, every time I sparred, every time I, every time I, every time I worked out, there was a, there was a, a great level of confidence, the most confidence, I've, I think I've ever had in, in, in boxing, you know what I mean? And, and it's, it's just an awesome feeling. And then to feel like that, you know, pretty soon I want to be crowned, not only just heavyweight champion of the world, but the heavyweight champion of the world over everybody. And I was just like, man, this is an awesome time. You know, I just can't wait to get to it. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. You love the time in between fights because you get to relax and enjoy your, your life and the money and the things that you may have, have gotten with your previous fight or just in general. And uh, it's nice to be able to enjoy life and, you know, to go around and get the respect and you talk to different people, they call you champ, you know, they respect you, you know, you love that. And then to be that guy, to be getting ready to go and be fighting the heavyweight champion, it was just, it was an amazing time. But um, regardless of, you know, after all of that honeymoon pop process and realizing how great that was and how it felt, we still had to work out. We still had to go to camp. We still had to train, Um, you know, I, I trained at home a little bit, but I mean, it was hard to keep me away from the gym. And you know how much I love basketball, Joey, but I, honestly, I wasn't really thinking too much about basketball at that time because I was so into what I was doing. You know what I mean? You're always looking at where your record, your record on box wrecking. You're looking at your your rankings and where am I in relation to these guys and what the and what are people writing? And, and I saw a couple a couple bad things that kind of you know made me feel a little disrespected, especially with the body of work that I had up to that point. Uh, a couple guys wrote, uh, well, one guy in particular wrote about how it's so ridiculous that, you know, a guy like myself, who's so undeserving of a title shot, is getting the shot at, you know, probably one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And thank God that he that he's going to eventually put an end to this debacle of this dude being the number one ta- uh, or the, the, the challenger to the heavyweight champion of the world. Dr. Steelhammer is going to put the hammer down. And I felt so disrespected. I'm like... And I don't want to curse or anything, so but I, it, it's just kind of bringing it up into me again a little bit when I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, this guy had the audacity to say something like that. The fighters that I had to fight, the things that I've had to go through, the, the disrespect that I've already faced, you know, coming from where I've come from, being a person in this position, nobody thought I would be there. Nobody thought I would even have a chance in hell of not only beating Dimitrenko, but beating any of the guys that I've been in the ring with. And for somebody like that, some some guy who may have been a fighter in the past or has been a fighter in the past to disrespect me like that just made it made it worse. But these are the kind of things that you deal with, you know, when you're stepping into the spotlight. And as much as I hated that guy for what he said, I used it. I tried to use it as motivation. But now remember, we're still getting in there with one of the best of all time. So all the motivation you can have, all of the motivation in the world, and it might not mean shit when you get in front of him. So the idea was to be the best I possibly can be, prove all the doubters wrong, and go ahead and pull that money in, pull that title in, those titles, those titles, and, uh, you know, become great. Hall of Fame career, you know, Hall of Fame bound one day. Obviously didn't work out that way, but <laughs> we, we uh, got into camp like we always did. It happened to be the same, the very same camp that we did for, uh, for um, Alexander Dimitrenko. Um, honestly, I think I had better sparring partners for Dimitrenko than I did for this camp. 
but I did get a couple good guys at the end. I got Malik Scott came through at the end, but I think some of the guys that I had through my camp, and I understand why these things happen through camp, and it's because you want to make sure your fighter's 100% confident, thinking that he's a world beater no matter what, even if he is already, and he already knows that. You still you want to keep that high level of confidence going and flowing and just keep it moving and keep everything positive. But I've always learned, and I learned this from my dad, is that if you're gonna get, if you're gonna be the best, you're gonna have to be challenged by the best too. You know what I mean? He always try. He made sure that if there was a, if there was a guy, if Mike Tyson, and I'm talking about, we talking about when I was back at 15 years old. If Mike Tyson, in his prime, showed up at Pittsburgh and he decided he wanted to come to my gym, and work out there for whatever reason, my dad would ask Mike for me to spar with him. And this is when I was 15. That's just how he was, and it kind of, you know filtered into me and that's just that's just what it became so i really never enjoy i mean i don't say never enjoyed of course you always want to you are you're going to always enjoy you know getting the better of somebody but for me it was always about the competition and knowing that i'm being challenged and then working my way into a better position and, and, and to be in better shape and to be mentally and physically just at the top of my game and, um, you know, it's just it's just for some reason, uh, that's what really drove me. And when I'm in there and when I was in there uh, uh, training and preparing for these fights with for this fight in particular, um, I just I didn't I didn't, I didn't feel like I, I got that as much. But I was thinking that maybe, OK, maybe I'm just that good, you know, now. So you try to you try to get yourself that 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 little boost by saying stuff like that, but um, or thinking things like that. But. It, 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 I don't know. It obviously didn't didn't help us so much anyway. But I I I trained really hard. I was probably in the best shape I've ever been in my entire life. Even and I'm going to talk a little bit about. I'm not going to say I'm talking about. It, I'm just going to mention it. But I I felt great with Peter when I was over there with Peter. I felt unbelievably strong and, and solid. And aside from that, this camp this camp that I'm talking about with with Vladimir is the best that I've ever felt. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. This was that was probably the best I've ever felt, you know, strength-wise and all combined, with the exception of Peter Fury's camp. And I, another mention, I'm sorry, that when I fought Tomas too, I felt great in that fight. But um, and I, I, I trained really hard. The running was good. The 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 strength, everything that I was doing was just uh was just on another level. So going into that fight. With, uh, with with Vladimir, I really felt almost to the point where I I just felt like I it was it was gonna happen. I was gonna beat him. I was gonna be heavy heavyweight champion of the world. There was no there was almost no negative thoughts, no worries. So I was in I'm getting in great shape. I'm preparing. I'm on time as far as with my how I feel with um, you know the process of training and and, and the the sparring and and everything was feeling like almost, almost too perfect. But, you know, it's, like I said, I, it was good and I was happy with it. But, um, so, so we get through the camp, everything's been good. I was training really hard sparring. I, I like I said, I've been doing, I was doing great in sparring. We actually had a couple, well, we actually had, uh, I wanted to mention Malik, Malik Scott came in for, for the last few days of sparring and we put him on the end. Cause a lot of times you want to have speed at the end of your sparring session when you're kind of feeling tired. So it kind of keeps your senses like heightened 
You know what I mean? If you got a fast guy throwing shots at you, when you're tired, you're gonna have to, you know, keep your your not only just your conditioning, but your but your wits about it. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta be on your p's and q's even when you're tired. So it kind of forces you into that kind of uh, 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 focus, that hyper focus. So it was good to have him. And to be honest, I think of all the guys we had, he was probably he was obviously the best guy we had. And we had him late, and we only had him for a couple of weeks. And that was really the first time in that camp that I really felt challenged. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I've been wanting the whole camp. If I would have had him from the beginning, I would have really felt challenged for a, for a longer period of time. Now, his style is, he's a boxing boxing guy. He moves fast combinations, good jab, nice, good, sharp, sharp right hand, nice counter hook too. But it's not as powerful as a Vladimir, but I'm not interested in getting hit with the power shots in camp, obviously. It's just making me prepare, it's preparing me. You know, keeping my eyes focused and sharp. And that's really, 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 really what I needed. And to be honest, now that I go back and think about it, it would have been great if I would have had some lighter weight guys that happened to be, you know, if they were a little tall, maybe a little taller than me, some lighter weight guys who were sharp and fast and to have to try to find a way to keep up with them and be able to close distance with them with their footwork and their 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 height and speed and just the, the, the pace, their, their pace as well, would have been good for me to be able to keep up with. Of course, now I'm thinking of these things after it's happened 10 years later. But the idea I felt like would have been a good would have been a good mix for the camp. And it's funny because, you know, after I got through everything and we were over there and we're doing the weigh ins and the in the um, uh, press conferences and everything that goes along with this whole thing. And I'm listening to different guys and who was in his camp for that fight. But a young Mike Hunter who. <laughs> Who who was I heard was doing excellent, like like to the point where Vladimir and them was like, oh okay, we we gonna have to watch out for this kid later, type type of thing, and he was doing great. So, and I'm hearing different things and what he's saying and what they're talking about and who who they invited to camp to be ready for speed. Man, he was bringing he had guys from the Crump who were 147 pounders, 160 pounders. 154 pounders in there for speed because he's figuring, well, I mean, you know, he's, he's going to be taller. I was going to be taller than those guys, but in reality, I'm not that much taller than him. And in reference to him and in, 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 in size comparison to him, it's kind of similar. So to have a, 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 have lighter weight, sharp guys like that throwing shots at him coming from basically the same angle. If he's prepared for that and able to deal with that, imagine him being able to deal with me and that's what I think he was thinking and they're thinking beyond just the basic little things and oh well we, we're only we're fighting a right-handed guy so we got to have right-handed spar partner no he's thinking man I'm give me southpaws give me give me give me give me tall guys give me short guys give me give me strong guys give me fast guys all kind of different things and that's the way like when you're a when you're in that point and at that heightened position you want to be able to deal with anything and I, I just wish that I would have been able to have a little bit more input on some of the things that, in which I could have, but just my mindset, my, my personality didn't do it at the time, but I would have loved to have more input on who we brought in because I definitely would have wanted guys like that. Some guys that would have challenged me more. It would have had me, I think, a little bit better prepared, but regardless of all that, taking nothing away from the champ, obviously he's beaten guys before, who have been 100% prepared, even better than what you know they've ever done before. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it would have changed anything. 
but shit, maybe it had, maybe it would have for me, because I feel like my talent level is as high as anybody's face in the ring. But all that being said, all these things are happening, and then <laughs> we get into as it gets closer, you start to see people around you. Some of these people were kind of around in camp, but you start seeing people who are just like stepping up for the ride, who just there for the ride. They're not the core guys. They're just there for the ride. And, you know, they got they're, they're, they got a position basically there. They're, they're basically, you know, they're in charge of this or they're in charge of that. They got cameras. They got, you know, oh, I want to handle your Facebook or, or your Twitter or this, and I want to be a part of that, and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like these people all divert your attention from your attention from the real matter at hand. I mean, I hate it. And these are things I've always hated, even from when I first started my professional career. There was a guy who was supposed to be, you know, like uh, he was he was helping me a little bit with my, you know, play, you know, making me a, a star, helping me become a star. He's almost like a an agent or so or, of some sort to kind of, you know, get me in the public eye. So he his, he had the bright idea of having me sit outside. Now this is not the Klitschko fight. This is way before that, but sit outside and sign autograph photos, autograph photos of myself. And I'm sitting there like, man, I don't want to be sitting out here. I'm nervous for this damn fight. I ain't got no. I don't, I don't, I'm not even thinking about signing autographs and seeing the fans, to be honest, no disrespect. I mean, that's a part of the game, but I didn't think, I just, I just wasn't feeling, you know, I was basically 18 or 19 years old and I had just turned pro and I'm nervous. I might get myself killed out. You understand what I'm saying? So fast forward to the Klitschko fight and these guys that I'm talking about, these Johnny come lately are bringing fans, no disrespect. Look, Iris, I'm happy to have people who are fans and they respect what I do and they want to see me and, you know, but it's, yo, I'm about to fight one of the biggest, greatest heavyweights of all time. And you bring in people from outside in here to talk to me, to sign and sign autographs and pay, take pictures, man, I'm trying to get my bearings. I'm trying to get my head right. I got, I got to face a guy that can literally kill me out here. Why are you bringing people in here? And of course at the time I'm like, nah, I ain't going to say that. You know, I, you know, these fans are coming here to see me. That's respect. I love this. Thank you. But I'm like, it, I'm, this guy can kill me out here. Shit, it almost happened. As far as I can, I'm concerned, as far as I know. You understand what I'm saying? Stop. And, and, and that was my that was my thing. Like, I always hated having things like that before I've done anything. Because in my mind, I didn't even do anything yet. I didn't win. Why are we bringing fans back here? I ain't saying that, you know, it's not nice that they were able to come in. I'm happy that I could have done that for them. That was probably something they they might remember. But the reality of it is, man, and I'm, I'm not trying to be selfish, but, you know, I got to get this done. This is about me at this point. You know, after afterwards, man, I'll take a picture with every fan in the, the arena. But before it, I don't even really want to talk to nobody, Let a, not even sometimes my corner, let alone some people who I don't even know, especially when I'm about to get out there with this monster. So, you know, these things happen. Of course, I let it go, which I probably shouldn't have, but I let it go. And, you know, I just I don't really even remember warming up properly. Like, I don't even remember doing a lot of that stuff. I just remember just throwing a few punches, you know what I mean, drinking some my water, taking my, my, my little protein, little things I was taking, little shakes, and, and just, you know, like, and just sitting there for, 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 for I don't want to say hours, but for a while. And I'm just like, man. 
I was just, you know, just, just trying to get my, and then all of these people start coming in and it was almost like a revolving door. I'm like, what is going on? And, 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 and I remember my manager saying, okay, that's my manager slash trainer saying, all right, that's the last one. And I was like, damn, man, we like 10 minutes from walking out. I think it should have been the last one, like two hours ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. And, um, well, I don't say two hours ago, but you know what I mean? And it was just like, what's, what's, you know, what, you know, what is this? But if, of course, that fades away soon. And, you know, then I got my brother there, Steve, obviously, and then all the people who were important at the time. And, and then we start going over things and getting ourselves together and getting prepared to go out there and, and do this thing and really, like, try to and try to win. And I remember just walking out. And when I walked out, man, I swear to God, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I saw literally it was like a sea, like an ocean of people. Like it was just people in every direction. There was not an empty seat in the entire building. And this is a soccer stadium. And we're talking about, I'm talking about looking up in the rafters and seeing people packed to the top. I was like, unreal. I couldn't even, it wasn't even about that I was nervous. It was, I just couldn't believe I'm a part of something this big. You know what I'm saying? This is like a, over in Germany, like a big event, like a pay-per-view event. I've never thought in my entire life, you know, as a kid growing up, even though we worked so hard and we did all that stuff in boxing, I just never thought that, you know, you never really think, honestly, that something could be that big. And then even though most of those people were obviously there to see Vladimir, but they're also here to see me fight him. So regardless of that, I'm a part of something big, and it was just amazing to be a part of. But, of course, once you enter the ring, all that stuff goes away, and uh, you don't even hear or see most of them. <laughs> so it's just it's just incredible though to be in there and be a part of that. And then I remember getting to the ring, walking through the ropes and doing my normal thing, and then hearing them uh, them seeing the lights go dark, and then that one shining light go down on Michael Buffer, and I'm sitting there, <laughs> and then he say he say welcome to the the Klitsch Klitsch Co show, basically saying the Klitsch KO show. <laughs> basically is what they were saying because they was playing it as that and even if you looked up at the screen I don't know if they, you could see it on the you know on the broadcast but it was like they made it big KO they, that was like a big thing like oh I'm gonna get knocked the fuck out huh and that's what I was thinking oh, so that's what's gonna happen alright let's get this big dude up in here and let me show you what's up that's how I felt and as it's going and you know as he's walking to the ring you know with his with his music, I forgot what the music, but his, he's come out to that song a few times, I guess, or a lot of times. Red I guess. Chili Peppers. And, yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. And I'm hearing it, and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And I'm telling my brother, he's sitting there next to me the whole time, even when we were walking to the ring. Like, yo, this is crazy. He's like, would you feel nervous? Like, he's like, you know what? I was like, man, and we doing all this while I'm walking. I was like, it's not really a nervous feeling. It's just like, wow, that's all I can say, man. This is unbelievable. Like, just to be in there. And it, I wasn't. I, how do I say? I, I was nervous before I got out there, but when I got out there, it was just like, man, it's, this is cool. it's showtime. This is cool, man. This is awesome. I never, you know, like, like, like I look at, you know, the NBA guys and how, you know, when they go out and they see the packed house and all that, well, this is before COVID, obviously. And you see the packed houses and these dudes and, they, and I mean, these people and they're all cheering them on. And it's like, especially when they playing against the home, you know, it, it, with the home crowd and all, it's like amazing thing to see all these people that really support this is be and you see how it's just bigger than what you're doing. It's just bigger than this one event. And you just think about all of the things that happen 
before you. When you think of Ali and how great he was and how many how he sold out arenas that wasn't even where he was from in different countries, like we talked about in 12 different countries. And people just loved him and just wanted to see him. And it's like, damn, I just wanted a piece of that. You know what I'm saying? I really, I really wanted a piece of that. So I'm getting in there and 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 then when he gets in, he starts his thing. I don't know if anybody ever knew this or knows about this, but when he gets in the ring, he never takes his eye off the opponent. He'll literally stare you down the whole time. And for me, it was like I've never been afraid of any fighter that I've ever gotten a ring with. I've been, you know, nervous about the moment, nervous about what might happen and will I be able to win. But I've never been scared of a guy. So him doing that really didn't do anything to me. It actually made me laugh, kind of. It made me think, like, well, what is he trying to prove? Like, <laughs> I ain't worried about this. We got to still fight, so you can stare me down all night long. I don't give a shit about that. But um, that was just his thing. That was just his way of getting into his zone, you know what I'm saying? And that's fine. And I remember uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the I don't know, one of the commissioners of, of, of one of the um, states, one in the states, who was happened to be over there. I think his name, I think it was Larry Hazard. And he said, "Man, don't be looking at don't 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 be scared of this dude, man. Look at stare him down." And I'm sitting there listening to him like I've never been scared of anybody, any of these guys. He could be big as he want and stare me down all he want. I ain't even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about how I'm gonna beat him down when we get in this ring. So all that happens, and you know they announce us, and it's just awesome to hear, you know Michael Buffer saying your name, and that happened to me a few times. And I, and I've always loved Jim Jimmy Lennon, but Michael Buffer is so tied to such to all to most of the big events. When you hear his voice, he's just so synonymous with success. It was just like it was just awesome to hear it. That's why he's on so the I'm podcast every week in the very beginning. hundred percent. It's like you can't, you know what I mean? You can't you can't ignore that. As much as I love it, love the way Jimmy Lennon announces. And I've been a big fan of Jimmy Lennon Jr. my entire career. It's always like always imagine hearing Michael Buffer say your name, regardless. Winning, losing, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Well winning, not losing. But you know what I mean. Um so it, you know, that happened and then the blood started boiling and it's time to go, man. It's Heavyweight Championship of the World time. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to I'm ready to do this. And um, so the bell rings. And that's when it's off. And I remember the first round. And I basically what I expected. And I've seen so many fights of his and so many things he's done, you know, and all that. Um, but and I and I and I'd sparred with him before, so I could kind of knew how dirty he was gonna be before we started. So I was kind of prepared for it. But he's a dirty sparrow, yeah. Oh, he's a no. He's a dirty fighter in general, and I'm not trying to say a dirty fighter like he does. You know, he he well, yeah, in a sense, but it's not like obvious stuff like headbutt, hitting in the leg, and stuff like that. But he'll pull your head yeah, down. You know, yeah, know that. He'll, he'll clinch. He'll clinch you and pop in. Try to pop your elbow and stuff like that. And he's strong and he's big, so. You know those things work. You know he he he'll he'll clinch you and lean on you and push you push you back to take his gloves. Like he'll extend his arm his arm, his jab out. Like you know he he kind of extends it out extends it out anyway, but he'll put it on you, especially if you got a high guard like I did, and push you and then try to throw the right hand behind it. And it's illegal to measure, especially when you're that big and measure. You know what I mean? It should be it, was, <laughs> it should be more it should be more illegal when he was doing it to me because of course it's me. But no, but in general it's just it's it's illegal. It's, you shouldn't be able to measure. But he was doing it, and of course we're in Germany. It's his production. It's his it's his management group. It's his 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 promotion. There's nothing I got. The only thing I got is a puncher's chance, 
And, you know, even if I beat him pillar to post, who knows if I'm going to get that decision or not. And that's how I felt. So I felt like, well, what the hell? I'm going to go out here and do everything I can. And the first round, I felt good about it. I really felt good about it. I landed some shots up, up upside his head, you know, some good body, you know, body jabs and things that keep him. And the funny thing is, the way I started the fight is the way I should have kept fighting. But what happened was, after I got through the first round, good round. You know, not a lot. He didn't, he didn't land really anything solid. Just missed a lot, which most fighters have done. And I started to feel my, I'm starting to feel into the groove a little bit. But in the second round, and in the first round, I picked him up because he had started his thing where he's going to lean on me. So I said, okay, that's not happening. I did it to Dimitrenko, and he stopped. This guy, he did it once. I'm like, I'm warning you. I pick you up one time, put you down. Next time, do it again. You keep trying to push me down. You keep doing illegal stuff. I'm going to slam So he did it. Second time, put him on his back. And, that's, and that was what it was about. I'm like, I'm going to get respect. Remember I told you before, Nazim, you know, God rest his soul, late great. Nazim told me, man, he's like, you know, he, he had different fighters in the amateurs. And, you know, if a guy was like really talented or really dangerous, he said, man, go in there and foul him real hard. You know, get him to scare him, shock him. You know what I mean? Maybe he'll never get himself back together. So I was hoping maybe that that would happen. But, of course, Vladimir pretty much has seen everything. So he didn't do anything but get up, dust his gloves off, and go back to work. And I think I kind of irritated him a little bit because he damn sure when he had the opportunity, he landed one of the sharpest right hands I've ever seen him land on me. And I still don't – I still was a wonder still how the hell I didn't go down because I just – like. All, and the funny thing is the night before I had a dream. Like you ever had those like those 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 dreams where you jump and it kind of wakes you up and jolts you? Oh, yeah. That was – I had one of those dreams the night before and in between trying to go to sleep with Robert Hines snoring. Oh my God. That guy is unbelievable. I could barely sleep the night before my championship fight. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that. Love Robert Hines to death, but he, he snores crazy anyway. Um, uh, but I had that dream and it shocked me. And I, woke, I woke up and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I hope that's not no sign of what the hell is going to happen tomorrow. And sure enough, that right hand popped me. I said, boom, and I stumbled back. But my conditioning was so good that I instantly recovered. I mean, like, it's, it, it lasted no longer than the punch and the stumble. I was already back. I had no, there was no cobwebs. There was no nothing. I didn't see no stars, nothing. It was that flashlight. Everything was back to normal as soon as he, you know, I clenched him for half a second, and then everything was back. But this is what happens when slight inexperience in certain areas, and it was something like being on a big stage and, somewhat being embarrassed being caught like that because i never really been stumbled like that ever in a professional fight and then like trying to figure out how how to get him back you know what i mean it was always it was always about now how to get him back i want to land a big shot now now forget all the other stuff i'm just trying to get this dude back and instead of trying to mount that attack that i had going in the first round and confuse him and and and, and do things that i think it would help me win the fight i start figuring out i'm a hurt him it ain't about that that's not what I was in there for. I'm in there to, to win the fight, and I'm trying to win the fight. And if, if and if I think I'm gonna go out there and just try to knock him out with my 200 pound, my 205 pound frame, it might not work out as the way I, you know, the way the way the way I hope it would. You know what I mean? So the plan started to go to hell. So, you know, pardon my language, but it started to go to hell then. And ever since that particular moment, I remember just continually trying to figure out what I need to do. And then 
here comes the smart stuff that he does is where he's so well schooled and then having Emmanuel Stewart in his corner, the great late great Emmanuel Stewart in his corner in the plan. And then having my trainer, Bashir, who ended up being my trainer later, who's also one of the greatest trainers on, on earth right now, in the corner. And all that information against what we had, me and my brother and, and, and my manager who even admitted didn't know everything he needed to know about the training process of boxing even though he had 40 years in, but his 40 years was in a different position. Management, you know what I mean? Business. He was just trying to help the best way he could, but we just didn't have enough experience in the corner, me, him, even my brother. Even though I feel like if my brother would have been the main trainer, if, there would have been the, if he would have been the chief second in the corner, I think we would have had a better chance of mounting a good attack because some of the things I was doing that I had success with was coming from him. You know what I'm saying? And we always talked about what we should, we would do in certain circumstances, under certain circumstances, and what we would do in certain situations. So we had a good understanding and a good relationship and uh, um, and a good idea of where, of what to do in certain in some of these situations and a good chemistry with that. But regardless of all that, remember I'm fighting, you know, maybe one of the greatest of all time, and it just didn't matter. As much as I tried to adjust, the more he would. And from what I'm hearing and from what I saw in some of the uh, video of footage, I mean, it seemed like Emmanuel was getting on his case pretty hard because he couldn't get me out of there because he had, he had a hard time landing shots. Shit, that was, every, that was just about everybody I fought. But even though he had a hard time, he still, he still definitely gave me some lumps. And I, I remember just having a whole difficult time with this guy. Like, I just couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure it out. It was just, it was just that puzzle that you just can't find that one or two pieces that just makes it makes the whole puzzle come together. You know what I mean? It, it was just like, it was, it was, it was that right hand set this, it set it off and set me on a, on a, on a spiral down. And it just, I can never recover from that. And then I just remember being in the 10th and 11th round and still trying to figure out like what I can do to maybe change this thing around, maybe hurt him somehow. And then, you know, just, it comes to you start to realize that look, it's just not your night. You know, you tried. You know, just just finish the fight, and you know we'll talk about what happened, and eventually, you know, maybe you'll get an opportunity again. Of course, that didn't work out the way I planned either, <laughs> because I, you know, get into the last round, figure, okay, well, you know, it's the same as always. He's not really landing much, but he's keeping me at bay. Jabs in my head, in my face all day. Um, okay, and I seen him trying to set up that shot. I saw him setting up that left hook that he caught me with. And even though I saw it and I knew it was coming, I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to slip it this time. I'm tired. I don't feel like moving the hell with it. I'm just going to catch it. And then we're going to let the bell ring and we walking out of here. That's the last thing I remember <laughs> until I remember starting to wake up. And, and I remember as I was waking up and I know people say, how do you remember that? But I trust me, I remember like being on the floor not necessarily seeing myself or even seeing anything after that. I just remember me being still black and me thinking like, I can't believe I let this motherfucker knock me out, yo. Like I just felt so, I felt so disappointed in myself with that. And then right after that, nothing. Nothing for, I mean, I don't even know. It was an unseen amount of time, unthought of amount of time because my short-term memory was lost because I was completely unconscious and my brain was probably bleeding slightly. So I had no idea what was going on until... I'm taking steps down the ring and my manager's son, who was a good friend of mine at the time is, was, uh, was basically consoling me saying, man, you did everything you could. 
And that's the one thing that I still, that's when I started to remember. That's the next thing I remember. And then I remember, you know, my, um, my cut person, which was a woman at the time, she's a plastic surgeon saying, okay, you can go do the press conference, but you're going to the hospital no matter what. She made sure that I went to um, the hospital, no matter whether I got mother, no matter whether the doctor said I was fine or not. She was like, you're going to go to the hospital. And then, so, you know, coincidentally, even after the press conference and all, they still took me there and the hospital kept me for like two days because of my heartbeat, my heartbeat, not because anything was wrong with the brain. They were saying it was so minor, the little bit of, uh, the little bit of a bleed that I had that it was almost non-existent. It was more that my heart was beating so irregular and that's because they're not used to seeing athletic hearts. That's really what the issue was. But anyway, um, so high you can be at one point and meteoric, meteoric rise meteoric fall because that was exactly what I felt like. I felt like, you know, all the work I did, the, the journey, the mm-hmm. everything that, that, um, that happened, that I, the thing, everything I accomplished was almost for nothing. I was probably depressed for almost maybe like eight straight months of just, I could not really enjoy anything without thinking about that. You know what I mean? It just, it just had me so down even with the money and stuff that I might have had. And, and believe me, I took a real hit on that. Oh, it just, yeah, it, but it, it just was, man, it was just, it was, it was one of the, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to overcome. One of the hardest, one of the hardest things. There's another, there was a couple other things that were really just almost, well, there was more difficult than that, but that was one of the hardest things as an athlete that I've ever really had to overcome. And to get back in there and think that I was going to be anything again. And with my level of confidence and belief in myself at times, it was just like, man, this is going to be a real journey. And I want to ask you this, Eddie. Um, obviously, you know, you were knocked out in, in, what was it, eight seconds or something left in the round? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Eight seconds. And that, that hurt too. Was, was that the only time you'd ever, ever been knocked out amateur or pro? Yes, that was the first. That was the only time I've ever been knocked down let alone out. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The only other time I've ever been down was a sparring session. It wasn't even like I was down from being hurt. It was like he hit me and I was moving forward too fast and went down and it wasn't really a knockdown. I'm talking about really down. That was the only time I've ever been down. Ever. For real. And what's your relationship like these days with Vladimir? Obviously, I'm guessing you haven't seen him for a long time, but you know. No, I mean, we look, I never had any, there was never any animosity with, come on, look, to, for me to feel like I was going to go in and win was just like any anybody else, but I really felt like I had a legitimate chance, and I, and I, and I did, but um, for him to do the, some of the dirty things that he's done, and even in the sparring when we were sparring, that's part of the game, there's no ill will at all, like, in fact, when I seen him, uh, he was getting ready to fight BY, and I was up in uh, New York, and I seen him. He was like, "Oh, Eddie Chambers, what's up?" Got a, you know, gave him a, a, a hug and handshake and all, and it was just like, man, you know, it was it was nice to see him, but it's like, I mean, look, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like uh, <laughs> I was going, "Hey, Vlad, let me get your number, man. I'm gonna hit you up. We gonna go and do that. What what was he doing at that uh, surfing <laughs> together? Like, no, nah, not like that. But but no, he's he's a good guy." Great champion, great person. You know what I mean? Real smart guy. And he deserved everything he got. You know, he, he worked hard for it. You know, he he's that dude. He was that dude for a long time. And it's really difficult 
to to stay on top as long as he did. Trust me. He, and no matter what era it is, no matter what situation it is, it's very, 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 very hard to stay on top that long. And he, he, he was special, man. He was special. He's a special champion no matter whether you liked him, you loved him, or hated him. Same thing with Lennox Lewis. Yeah, so many people hated him, but you got to respect the greatness. And, and I did. And I always did. Yeah, no, he's undoubtedly one of the best heavyweights of all time. And, um, you know, especially when you kind of think that you yourself, who really should have been a cruiserweight, but obviously the people around you at the time, they wanted that heavyweight money and you kind of just, you know, did what they wanted. And, uh, you know, you almost got there, as you said to me before, you know, you should have never even been in the heavyweight division, but you, you, you made all the stops all the way there. And the big one, you almost hit the jackpot, you know, you, you, you touched it. Um, I want to ask you also, Eddie, um, do you know, I mean, I don't know how close you sort of saw the fight, but did you ever get a chance to see the scorecards at the time of the KO or not? In my mind, I'm feeling 121-0, whatever, 108, until I got dropped in the last round. I didn't think I won a round, in my opinion. Even though I felt like the first round was good, I still don't think I won it. I think it was like, well, I had success, but, you know, and, and not just to say that I didn't win any rounds, but I didn't win any rounds, especially over there. And especially it being his 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 um his promotion, his his management team and his group running things. No way. You know what I mean? I had no shot at that. But uh and you know, I don't like the whole oh it was a silver lining or it was there was there was a moral victory in being that you were in there and you did this and you did that and it's like, yeah, man, but I really felt like I had talent and ability above all in the division at the time, no matter who was there. I really felt that way. And maybe I did, but it just didn't, it just didn't happen. And and I always wondered why and what I did and what I didn't do, or was it just that he was just better or he was just bigger, you know what I mean? And, and or, or, or both. And, and I just always wondered about it, man. I just, even to this day, it's like, you know, what if I'd have met Peter Fury early? What if I would have got that, 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 that science that he had with not only just, you know, my, my, the, the, the training aspect in the, in, in, in the, and in the different style that we were working on, but the size and, and the strength and the things that I really started to hone. And, and, and when I, at that time I was over there with him and Tyson, man, I, I felt at times invincible. Like it didn't matter who was getting in the ring with me. I was going to bust the head wide open. I'm talking power and speed and, but it just was, it, it just, it wasn't to be. And then when I did get prepared and I was like that, when I was over there with those guys, couldn't get a fight. <laughs> and that's just the way the ball bounces, man. Couldn't get a fight. We were even willing to take Ruslan Chikayev in a day's less than a day's notice, basically oh, like 12, 12, well, like 12 to 14 hours notice, man. We was going to go over there and fight him that day or that night. Like not that night, but, um, we was going red eye, red eye over there. It was, it was like I don't know, twelve at twelve at night or something over there, over in the UK. And we was talking about, man, we'll go over there and fight him tomorrow. Like we really would. And of course, they didn't take the bait. But you know, I was so ready at that time, and it just wasn't to be, man. You know, some people just they just don't get their their shot, or just their opportunity goes and they miss it. And that might be my that might be my situation. 
And, you know, Tyson Fury himself has said many times, he likes to say, um, a good big man will always be a good little man. Mm-hmm. Um, do you kind yeah. of feel like that? Oh, no. Go on, what'd you say? I'm sorry, go ahead. Say, no, say I was just going to say, do you kind yeah. of feel like that that saying that he uses kind of fits the description of how the fight played out between you and Vlad? Without a doubt, in it's, it's generally a good big man could be the great small man mm. because the... As great as a guy is, right? It's like, let's look at Lomachenko versus Lopez, right? Say Lopez is able to get him out of there and his size is just too much. But if Lopez was naturally smaller and him and uh, him and Lomachenko are the same size, Lomachenko beats him probably pretty comfortably, even though it, it, it'd still be a tough fight for him. So you see what I'm saying? It's like, even if you're great, but we all... We all see Lomachenko as great. Maybe Lopez is going to be great too, but at this point, he's he's good. He's excellent, but he's not at that Lomachenko resume yet. But maybe the size makes up for that. See, with Vladimir being 35, 40 pounds heavier than me, that size made up for the, the, the difference in skill. You understand what I'm saying? The size and power and, and weight and understanding how to use it. Because if you think about it, Dimitrenko had all those same attributes over me that, well, with yeah, attributes over me as far as size and I'm not going to say strength because I don't think he was stronger than me. I don't even think Vladimir was stronger than me, especially with my lower center of gravity. But um, but Dimitrenko wasn't, you know, he wasn't as sturdy, but he did have those same weight and height advantages. He just wasn't able to apply it the proper way. Vladimir could. Vladimir was mentally tougher. Vladimir understood the game plan better and he applied it better. Simple. You know what I mean? And that's the difference between a good fighter like Dimitrenko and a great fighter like Vladimir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that is the, the Vladimir Klitschko fight out of the way. Obviously that was the, you know, the biggest fight of your career already, but the, the journey doesn't stop there. There is still, a few more chapters yeah. to go over, which I'm sure we'll get on to next time. So I'm guessing next time will be the comeback fight almost a year later against Derek Rossi, which obviously yeah. was um, was a rematch. And, uh, and then, yeah, from there, it obviously brings us into the Thomas Adamek fight. So am I right in saying we're probably going to go over those two fights next time? Maybe, yeah, prob- probably. We'll probably go over those two. I mean, maybe we'll, we can split it. Maybe we'll go over both. I mean, we'll see. I mean, because to be honest, the Rossi fight it shouldn't take up too much time. Although it was a it was a decent decent fight, and it kind of played a little bit to how I felt about myself after that clinical fight and where I saw myself. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it kind of gives you an idea of of where I was, and then with the, the Adamic fight to follow, maybe we'll do both. We'll see. We'll see what time. We'll see how much time we have, and then we'll we'll put it into we'll put it into effect. Okay, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Like I say, Eddie, um, it's been it's been a pretty long show. We did the reviewing, we did the news, we gave you your quiz question, we did the preview part, we welcomed Michael Hunter in um, as our sole guest, and we've just wrapped up there with the with with, with the lockdown knockdown segment. I just want to say once again, Eddie, thanks for 
Thanks for um, helping me out once again. Thanks for bringing our listeners another edition of the Lockdown Knockdown. It's always very interesting. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously, like I say, a big fight, a world heavyweight title fight. There is the ins and outs there. Not a lot of people know about the facts discussed in uh, in about the 45 minutes that we recorded um, in, in that segment there. So, yeah, thanks, Eddie. And... Um, the final thing I'm going to do is just sign out with the very end of the show in just a few seconds' time. Okay, and this wraps up episode 261 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the top heavyweight contender, Michael Hunter. A special thank you also to Aaron from Travel Lodge in Western Supermare, which is where this podcast episode was recorded. Aaron opened up a quiet and private room for me to operate in, which was extremely generous of him to do so. So a big shout out to him. There has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Unfortunately, the aforementioned Savannah Marshall versus Hannah Rankin world title fight has been cancelled because Savannah Marshall's trainer Peter Fury tested positive for coronavirus. Savannah herself tested negative, but due to the necessary precautions, the fight has been cancelled. Both girls involved in that fight are devastated and are hopeful to get the fight rescheduled before the year is up. Uh, there is one other piece of news. It's going to be a fight taking place on Friday, November the 27th, um, Demetrius Andrade takes on Dusty Hernandez Harrison, both guys friends of the show. The fight's taking place, bizarrely, at super middleweight. So that's going to be, um, well, I'm not quite sure if I'd say a great fight, but it's going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, but that is about everything, though. That's everything from myself. I want to say a massive thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into this week's show. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week. <laughs>